politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our liberties to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here, your guide to what you guys can do to make a difference in a world turned upside down, inside out. And we certainly have a crazy world, lots to talk about. We've had some terrific guests this week, so we're a little bit behind on some of our other issues, but it was certainly worthwhile. We had a great show yesterday about the Hunter Biden scandal. Folks, at the end of today, I want you guys to fully understand the diagnosis of what is wrong in all these red states, the opportunities that exist in these red states to make them red, to make the policies and the politicians comport with the culture and the political bent of the majority of the citizenry, how we can do that, why we need to do that, why it's our only hope. And folks, this is going to be a show, this show is going to demonstrate to you why this program is one like none other We're going to take you on a tour of five, six, seven states to just get a sense of what's going on, what I'm either dealing with or observing. So there is a lot on the agenda today. There's lots of stuff going on in the courts. Again, the two most important things for us to do is to get the red states to actually break off in a way, not necessarily seceding, but doing their own thing. You control a unique unit of government within a state. You can do whatever you want. And then the next step is to fight back against the courts and just say no. Just like the blue states do what they want, we're going to do what we want. You guys don't get involved in blue states stealing elections. Well, you can't get involved in us dealing with life, liberty, and property. You saw the Ninth Circuit yesterday. Said there's no right to carry a gun anywhere, anytime, anyway. The same bastard courts that believe that there is a right for cartels to crash our border. There is a right for taxpayer-funded, Medicaid-funded, transgender castration. There's a right for a man to play in a female college athletics program. These same courts believe there is no right for religious liberty. There is no right for self-defense. There is no right to breathe without a diaper on your face. These are illegitimate courts, and it's time for red state governors to stand up to them. So we are going to start with South Dakota, and we're going to move on to Ohio, Wyoming, Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee, New Hampshire, if we have time. A lot going on. But first, a word from our sponsor today, Patriot Mobile. The biggest problem we have is that the left has a monopoly on vital goods and services, as we've seen. And how do you escape their cancel culture? One thing you can do is cancel your big provider because Patriot Mobile now has you covered with dramatic expansion of their coverage area without donating your money to leftist causes. I'm proud to partner with Patriot Mobile, which is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. You can switch to them, obviously, um, with much less charge. You could keep your phone number or bring your own phone, buy a new phone, build a bundle with multi-line discounts. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That is 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders save even more. This month, you can get free premier activation where they set up the phone for you in a special gift. With the offer code CR, as in conservative review, that's patriotmobile.com slash CR, patriotmobile.com slash CR, offer code CR or or 972PATRIOT to break away from the communist wireless providers. Now, folks, there's a lot going on here. Let's start with South Dakota. As I mentioned yesterday and throughout the week, what I do like about what's going on in South Dakota is finally conservative media is waking up like, wait a minute. We don't have to worry about Democrats controlling Washington. We have an entire state where we could end the transgender agenda. House, 
Senate with super majorities and a Republican governor, Republican attorney general. And they have that in, in about half the states. So you know what? Why in the world are we on the sidelines? So they're finally getting on the sideline, getting on the playing field. But as always, as you guys well know, I'm a stickler not just for focusing on the right issues, but focusing on the right points and lessons within the issue. And too often this gets sidetracked with personalities, like as if we're putting Governor Kristi Noem on trial. Is she bad? Is she good? Defending or not? It's not about Kristi Noem. I like her. I have nothing against her. Um, you know, the, the, her office said that that we're trying to do conservative cancel culture on her. We're not canceling anything. We're debating a, a policy issue. But what it's more emblematic of the fact that people now realize, A, the power of governors and mayors and state governments, how we could take back our country just with the areas where we have supermajority Trump voters. But the politicians don't reflect those values. It's not just Christy Nome. If you're going to take the lesson from me or Christy Nome is terrible, we need someone new. And, and I don't mind getting someone new, but just realize 90% of Republicans are like that. The state Senate in South Dakota is awful. Half the Republicans are a bunch of leftists. And there's a reason for that. We have to address the systemic problem that you have the Chamber of Commerce and big business that is totally in bed with the open borders, rainbow jihad, you know, cultural Marxist decivilization agenda in every state. In other words, the Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce that's pushing this agenda. You know, let's face it, Christy Nome is coming up with these retroactive arguments that she never argued before when she supported the bill, was never involved with. But then when conservatives pushed back, she needed like a way to kind of jujitsu it and say, like, hey, you know, I'm really playing the long game. Like, okay, what's your game? Uh, work with other states, okay, to do what? Title Nine. Yeah, meaning what? Like, I, I read this article, Christy Nome's playing the long game in PJ Media. And, and I wanted to read it. I was like, hey, well, well what, what's the strategy? And I literally cannot even articulate. I don't know what it is. Meanwhile, you have some of these conservative hosts that are like a bunch of Muppets. Like, oh, Christy Nome. Yeah, long game, long game. <laughs> Dude, if you would understand the background of how this bill came about, like, you would get it. Well, Daniel, like, she, she doesn't have the ability to fight. She has to fight it more carefully. You know, all the NCAA is going to come in from all these different states. Dude, she blocked the bill a year ago um, simply prohibiting hospitals from doing castrations and mutilation and hormone therapy on minors. That's totally in state. You don't have any of those excuses here. Don't apply. <laughs> What's the common denominator? She won't fight the tranny agenda. Is it because she loves it? I doubt it. It's because she's scared of the Chamber of Commerce and all the forces around it. So that's the thing. Like, they're getting sucked into the details. They're missing the broader point. I don't care if it's, a, if it's like an, you know, an immigration bill designed to demagnetize the state from illegal immigration. I don't care if it's a COVID fascist bill. If it's a limited government bill. Anything. You are going to have the, for, the same forces are going to align against you. And the same, you know, Christy Nome's chief of staff is on the board of the Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce. But again, this is true of all of them in every state. I'm, I'm monitoring so many states and I'm seeing the same story. It's not just South Dakota. It's not just Christy Nome. It's not just this issue. It's not just this strategy. It's all of it. So if we don't apply counter pressure, meaning you have the big conservative voices, give voice to the big Good efforts going on in these areas that leadership is stifling, the bad efforts that the establishment Republicans are putting. If you don't have our Liberty Strike Force teams from ConAction.network, you could sign up that we're going to get into place to have Minutemen part of a Liberty Strike Force team that could be ready at a minute's notice, 30, 40 people in each region of the state to pressure their legislators, pressure their county officials, pressure the governor, educate the people on the good bills and the bad bills and the effects of them right into media, social media, do radio. 
focus on lawsuits, hit them from every point. That's what the left does. If we don't create a parallel movement, the red states are going to be no better than the blue states. But if we do, there's a lot of things that can be done, and we're going to talk about some success stories, as well as a lot of problems. But the problems all arise because we are not focused on where we need to be focused. The Muppets that are defending Christy Nome's state get-together bridge to nowhere are missing the broader point that Christy Nome's broader rhetorical strategy is correct. That we need to synchronize 23 or so red states at, at a time to pat, but not for some get-together committee, but to pass the same legislation, to pass HB 1217. To pass things like Arizona's SB 1070 from last decade that needs to be reiterated and passed in every state to block illegal immigration. And on and on, we can go through every issue. So that way you're not isolated. That way you're not isolated in the courts. That way you get some of the good circuits. But ultimately, you need to tell the courts to go to hell. And it's a lot easier for half the country to do that than one state. But this is what you have in the leadership of the conservative movement. Let's face it, some of the top voices, they don't understand legislation, they don't understand policy. They just work based off of relations. People come to them, oh, you know, I think this is a good idea. And the Muppets just buy into it. It's how all these phony conservative figures bought into jailbreak and the Soros de-incarceration agenda. We don't buy into that here because we do our homework. So that's what's going on in South Dakota. But keep in mind if we had this degree of pressure on every governor. Let's go on to Arkansas. Okay? Arkansas is a state where Republicans, like 20 other states, they have these super majorities. They have a uh, 67, no, more than that. They have a 78 to 22 majority in the House. They have something like a 3 to 1 majority in the Senate. 78-22. I want you guys to keep that in mind. That's 100 seats. Where else do we have 100 seats? The United States Senate. Okay, imagine having 78 Republican senators. Well... If we don't get our act together and elect the right people and, and then, more importantly, pressure them and raise awareness to both to the public and to the legislators, meaning pressure the inside, inform the outside, that's what our Liberty Strike Force teams are going to do. Hey, there's this opportunity to override a veto. There's this bill going on. There's this committee hearing. Weigh in on this amendment. If you don't do it, guess who is engaged 365 days a year? The health departments, the governor's staff, the chamber of commerce, the tranny rainbow jihad lobby. And, and, and they, they threaten legislators physically even. You know, a legislator told me um, from Idaho, she told me the other day when, when she was pushing back on the transgender sports stuff, they had some of these guys, you know, the, the state troopers called her up and said, hey, we're going to escort you home. We have some information that they're going to come after you. This is a big problem. They put a lot of pressure, including illegal, violent pressure, on them. We don't even know what's going on. So I, I forgot to mention this yesterday, but in Arkansas, we had SB 301. What it simply did is zeroed out retroactively all the fines that the Alcoholic Beverage Control Division collected against restaurants and businesses, okay? It zeroed it out. And this is something any Republican worth anything should agree to. It violated property rights. It violated science. Every single study has shown that bars and restaurants were a false bogeyman. They did not contribute more to the spread than Walmart or Home Depot. In Kansas, it, it, they showed just 0.91% of cases emanating, if you could even believe their contact tracing study, from bars and restaurants resulting in zero deaths. CDC data has shown no increase in cases from dine-in services once they reopened. 
they studied it. It's a false, it's, it's another one of these false premises that they're stuck on stupid and they continue repeating them after all the studies have disproven it. So the House passes it 67-20, okay? That, that's uh, almost three and a half to one. Senate passed it in 1914. They lost some Republicans, but they still passed it. Now, again, Arkansas is a type of state where you could override the governor's veto with a simple majority. They, they had a supermajority in the House, simple majority in the Senate. To, on Tuesday, dirtbag Governor Asa Hutchinson vetoes the bill. He's like, this sends a bad message that, you know, you could just be lawless and, and, and the legislature is just going to get in the way of us enforcing the law. <laughs> Literally flips it backwards. He legislates against the Bill of Rights and the legislature gets back on the playing field. He's like, hey, stop being lawless. The same thing that New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu uh, mentioned when um, the state house also voted on something similar to zero out the fines. So anyway, he vetoes it Tuesday. Now, mind you, how many patriots in Arkansas even knew this was going on? We're apprised of it. See, we're going to have a group in place once we get it set up where we can immediately have, drive 50, 100 calls into the offices of the governor, the relevant committee ch chairs in, in both chambers, alert the people, get on talk radio. This is what we need. I shouldn't have to be doing this in every state, but you know where there's no leadership a guy's got to you got to fill it we should be be playing a home field advantage game in red states instead we're always playing an away game because the other side operates so you know i honestly didn't work this hard there was a very short timetable you have to remember the legislative process in state legislatures works lightning quick and unlike Congress, there really is not a lot of media focus on it. Very little. But this is what affects our lives more than anything. So Tuesday, he vetoes it. Wednesday, both chambers, within minutes of each other, had veto overrides. Very quick. There was no layover period. Very quick. Now, I didn't focus on it because I was like, look, you know, it passed by a mile. You only need 51% to override, so this should be great. Well, the Senate you know, on cue, overrode his veto. 1913, they didn't lose a single person who voted for the bill, which is what you expect. I mean, usually if you vote for a bill, governor vetoes it. Well, if you voted for it, you're going to override his veto. Now, remember, the House passed it 67 to 20. You only need a simple majority. Yet, the veto override failed 39 to 40, and then a bunch of these cowards voted present. So I never saw this in my entire career, but basically the governor was able to flip 29 Republicans from passage to an override vote. No one was on the playing field. I exposed, I tweeted out a list of the Republicans that voted against it. But you better believe the governor's staff was on that phone whipping them. How many calls were driven to these members and say, you better stand up for our businesses? I can't attest to it. I don't know. But I doubt there were very many because I doubt very many people even knew this was taking place. This is what, this is what sets me apart from my colleagues. I'm trying to actually focus on where we can make a difference. We can't make a difference in Washington now. We can't make a difference in my state of Maryland. It's very sad. Today is... um. March 25th is the anniversary of Maryland's founding. It was the leader of liberty, had the first Bill of Rights, and now it's a toilet. There's nothing you can do in Maryland. But there's a lot of states where, you know, you get majority conservative districts, and they call up and their representatives and say, this is what we expect you to do. I'm not going to say it's going to work 100% of the time, but right now it's working 0% of the time because we're not even trying. And then likewise, if they do vote no, now you alerted the people and they do it enough they'll be ripe for a primary challenge. So it's kind of a win-win. But this demonstrates the focus. And by the way, I'm hearing that Governor Kristi Noem is trying to whip Asa Hutchinson to, to, I forget the number of their bill, but Arkansas has a sports bill too. 
you know, barring men in female sports, and he's trying to get him. So rather than this promise of getting states to work together, she's actually having reverse energy trying to get states to go against the bill so she doesn't feel alone. The exact opposite of what needs to take place. But again, Arkansas voted for Trump by a mile. Very red trending state. 78 to 22 majority in the House, 27 to 8 majority in the Senate. And this is what we have. We have it because we are not engaged at a local and state level in the areas where we constitute the majority. We need to get on the playing field. That's Arkansas. Let's move on to Wyoming. In Wyoming, the House voted yesterday 32 to 28. 32 to 28 to expand Medicaid. They were one of the states holding out. The governor is pushing it, and likely it will pass. I'm assuming it will pass the Senate. This, the Republicans have become the party of Medicaid. The Republican vision on health care is nothing more than the, what the Democrats' vision was a year ago. This is what it is. I've written a lot on Medicaid. All it does is line the pockets of the insurance cartel that administrated the hospital cartel. Horrible care. Doesn't do good for anyone. Bankrupts us. Distorts health care. So many better ways of doing it. Just giving people a voucher, money, to go out and purchase their own plan in a, in a market that we need to make freer with options and choices that will spawn competition. But that's, that's your Republican Party for you. There are two Republicans in the Wyoming Senate. Uh, sorry, Democrats. Democrats left Wyoming Senate. There are seven Democrats left in the Wyoming House, but they got 32 votes. That means 25 Republicans joined. Okay, 25 Republicans joined in. Um, that is almost half, a little bit less than half. So you get 45% of the Republicans joining with the freaking marginalized seven Democrats. And you turn an insane supermajority into a minority. Because we don't have anyone on the playing field. When you're talking about Medicaid, you cannot imagine the lobbies you're talking about. The AHA, the AMA, AARP, the entire big pharma, the entire healthcare and insurance cartel. If you don't get on the playing field, you could be in a 99-1 Trump district. But... The policies will reflect the values of the one because they have the pressure. They have the lobbying. We need to lobby for liberty. We are our best advocates. We are our only advocates. Again, Wyoming, for whatever reason, it's the only red state. We barely have anyone signed up. We only have three people signed up. So if you are listening from Wyoming, Sign up at conaction.network if you're offering to be a team leader to help form the team. We badly need it. So they had time to expand Medicaid, but have not yet denuded the health department of its power and the governor of this power. I don't want to hear, oh, they got rid of the mask mandate. No, they didn't. It's in all the schools. It's in many localities. It's the big lie in all these states. So that's the story with that. And by the way, Wyoming also, there was a bill by my friend Chuck Gray in the House. He's also running against Liz Cheney for Congress to fire the health director and subject the future health director to Senate confirmation. Very modest reform. If we're going to have this dictator, shouldn't the Senate vote on the person? It was voted down. Voted down by Republicans. Wyoming is a house full of Muppets. It is disgusting. Utterly disgusting. Bunch of communists running the state. So, 
that is the story. Um, let's see where else we're going to go. I could go on and on. This problem is everywhere. So, Texas. Let's go on to Texas. We have a border bill. Okay? HB 2862. What if I told you that you could literally, from a Republican-controlled state, influence the arc and trajectory of one of the greatest policy issues of our time, border security, the border invasion, Imagine if Texas would start building the border wall. Don't complain to me about where the state's going to get the funding. The The sponsor, Brian Slayton, representative in the House, he told me his office is already getting people mailing him money. I mean, he never asked for it. He's sending it back because he can't do that. They don't have a fund set up, but they could set one up uh, controlled by the state. People badly would want to fund that. People would donate. I, I would venture to say... If Texas wanted to, they could probably fund it 100% from private donations across the country. And that would embarrass the Biden administration. It would force the issue. Okay? Again, the power of Republicans controlling state governments. Like, eh, Daniel, we don't have enough power. This, it's a garbage. They have solid trifectas and majorities all over the place. But in this case, they have the trifecta in two of the most critical border states, Arizona and Texas. So Brian Slayton introduced HB 2862. I'm going to have an action item for you right now to give you an example of what is not happening, why we lose, but what could easily happen. This bill was recommended to the Committee of State Affairs. It is run by the chairman, Chris Patty. That's P-A-D-D-I-E. He's from the far east uh, border of Louisiana area. He, let, let me just say, is not exactly excited about having a committee hearing on this. And if it is left in his hands, it will likely die and it won't go anywhere. And no one will ever even know this was introduced and that this is an option. I need you guys who live in Texas, to call up Chris Patty and say, hey, I hear HB 2862 is going to build the border wall. It's in your committee. Hey, when's the committee hearing? I'd like to come and testify. We need to do this now. you got to complete the wall, especially the half-baked, half-constructed wall. When's it coming up for a hearing? We have thousands of listeners from Texas. That's by far our biggest state terms of listenership could you imagine if tucker carlson would do this if sean hannity would do this if laura ingram would do this and do this on a regular basis a random state legislative committee chairman they're not used to that that would really have its effect this is just one of many things i'd like to do another good bill on the senate side from Senator Bob Hall, SB 1254, that bill would create a cross-state compact between Texas and any state willing to join to, to try to deal with illegal immigration together. I think this is a good way that there's a lot of smaller things you can do, and I'm going to start writing about that, but eventually I want to just have deportations where the red states say, look, you violated the Constitution and invade us and don't protect us from invasion. Article 4, Section 4. We have the right to protect our jurisdictional sovereignty, our territorial sovereignty. Now, we're not going to engage in foreign affairs. We're not going to deport them to Mexico. We're going to deport them to the blue states. You guys want them, so go have them. I'm not saying that's what this, the intent of the author of this bill and what it does, but this type of thing is how we're going to eventually get there. So Texas is very important. But absent that, Texas is garbage. So I need, I have an East and Texas state leader. I need a committee of really intensely focused people who are smart, have connections, understand the legislative process, and have a lot of time to donate 
to the cause to work with our two guys we have so far to form the various teams. At a minimum, we want four teams, east, west, north, and south. I mean, really, if you got fancy, you could do a lot more. There's a lot of different regions of Texas, but we'd start with four. We already have 170 people signed up, so you know, I really want to get moving on that. And once we promote it, God knows how many we're going to get. But we need a committee to kind of really handle that before I give over the names to our various team leaders. But folks, I mean, this is what we should be thinking about. A guy like Chris Patty. Is he serving you well in a very conservative part of Texas? Does he share your values? And by the way, as an aside, one of the things I am going to be pushing, so most of these states are past their funnel deadline. We can't introduce legislation, which is nonsense. They're chamber rules that leadership always violates for their bills. Whenever they want to, they could... It, the bottom line is, if you're a Speaker of the House, Senate President, you could do what you want. Okay? But nonetheless, one of the ways to get around that is to stick some of our priorities in budget bills, the annual budget. So that's one of the things we're looking at, because this especially is primarily a budget thing, really allocating funding to build the wall. More than a policy, it's a budget issue. But here's another problem. Do you know that the woman who is the subcommittee chairman who would oversee this at House Appropriations, her name is Mary Gonzalez, she is a Democrat who calls herself a pansexual? I didn't even know, so there's the P. I told you there's something for every letter of the alphabet. Yeah, I think it means like she could switch hit any any given day. She could be a different letter of the alphabet. So one day she's a T, one day she's an N, one day she's a L, whatever. In Texas. Because Republicans gave half the committee chairmanships to the Democrats. Mentally ill. This is what they do. Fun fact, Brian Slayton, the sponsor of this bill, is the guy who at the first day of the session this year filed a motion to end that practice. And of course, leadership shot it down. Mentally ill. They're like, well, Democrats back in the 80s gave us, you know, when they controlled, when Texas was a Democrat state, they gave us the chairmans. Dude, that was in a different era when we weren't in political warfare like this. Believe me, if the Democrats got control of that chamber in the year 2021, they ain't given Republicans half the committee chairmanships. But this is what we have. Let's move on. Let's move on. Tennessee. So remember we had this anti-discrimination bill. We're simply speaking, businesses cannot discriminate against people for not being vaccinated and not um, wearing a mask. Well, that bill has now been watered down. Because people, these sophist conservatives just couldn't wrap their arms around a mandate on a business, which is nonsense, as I've mentioned many times. So therefore, they gutted it. So to begin with, it's going to be, you know, watered down much more than, than it would have been. So it allows businesses to basically set their policy. The one thing it does do is at least it applies disability law. So if you have a med- if you say you have a medical exemption, then they wouldn't be able to challenge that or ask for proof. Generally, they can force you to wear a mask, but so it's watered down. And and look, that would be pretty substantial, but I'm sure it's going to be watered down more. But again, this is where you need to get on, you know, with Tennessee. It's very very important. By the way, as an aside, you have Jack Phillips, the baker in Colorado. So now listen to to where where we are in this country so basically if you're a business owner you have to bake a sentimental cake like something that's with you know it has a message it's speech you cannot deny service to a cause that violates your conscience okay Remember, none of these people are saying, I'm not going to service someone who calls himself transgender or whatever. It just, I am not 
going to um service that message. Okay, so it's not the person you're even discriminating against. You would give him any other product that you make. I just don't make that product. I don't make a coming out as trans, whatever that means, blue and pink cake. And I'm not going to make it for you. When, mind you, he can go to every other place and get it. But we could have every business in the entire country box out a human being for not covering his mouth. You're not asking for any specific type of product. You're saying you have to cover, smother your breathing. Oh, Daniel, business could do what they want. Dude, let's go back to 1789 when a business was able to do what they want and not have anti-discrimination law. Then I'll agree with you. Until then, I'm not playing that one-way game, especially when this only came about through government censorship and lying and mandates that lied about mass. No, we're going to fight fire with fire. But nonetheless, all oh, the principled conservatives, I hate that. Man, do I hate that. But anyway, this is SB0320 HB0794 in Tennessee, the, the Medical Non-Discrimination Businesses and Consumer Act. Okay. I gave you a lot of bad news. Here's some good news. Ohio. Ohio yesterday, unlike Arkansas... They overrode DeWine's veto, both in the House and the Senate. SB 22 is the law of the land. Now, unfortunately, because of Ohio's Constitution, no bill that doesn't get two-thirds majority could be enacted immediately. So there is a three-month layover. But we do have a permanent reform allowing, you know, limiting the duration of the emergency to 30 days, or maybe it is 60 days, but the orders that are promulgated based on the emergencies could be immediately nullified by a simple majority concurrent re- resolution. Um, I give Senator Rob McCulley a lot of credit for the tenacity of really keeping the conference intact and getting most of the rhinos on board with something as monumental as overriding the veto of a Republican who's officially from your own party. That's good news. DeWine is weakened. And that portends a lot of good news with better leadership in the state Senate. There's a lot more that I think can be done in the future. Ohio is a full-time legislature. So there's a lot we can do to introduce all the ideas that unfortunately in a lot of states it's too late to introduce. So that's great news there. That weakens them. Um, Folks, if you are in Ohio, I would suggest don't call Warren Davidson's DC number, but call his field offices in Ohio and tell the staff you want Warren Davidson to run for governor. Okay, just trust me. Um, Trust me on that. I think he's considering it. If he runs, based on the trajectory of the state, the, the, um, the fact that the legislature is getting better, there's a lot of good things that could be done in Ohio. Again, you know, You run a guy for Senate, U.S. Senate, there's nothing they can do. You run a guy for governor, especially where the legislature is getting better, and we put in Liberty Strike Force teams, we can make Ohio a microcosm of freedom, independent from the rest of America. That is my end goal. Let's move on to New Hampshire. We have a terrific listener to this show um, who is in the New Hampshire House. I think we have a few people, but there was one I spoke to yesterday and she apprised me of some good news that the legislature finally had enough of rhino governor sununu and they're actually sticking a bunch of good stuff in the budget so the house finance committee crafted the budget and they stuck in it provisions first of all defunding all critical race theory that bill, HB, I think, 544, that the governor said he'd veto. So they're sticking it in the budget bill to force him to either shut, risk a government shutdown or have to sign it. Because remember, in New Hampshire, they don't have super majorities. They have simple majorities, so they can't override his veto. And they also stuck in the emergency powers reform, limiting his power. They stuck in their bill, zeroing out all the health department fines that have been levied. So that's something to watch, but that's also a model we need to push in these other states. So if they say, well, the deadline already passed, we can't introduce this bill, put it in the budget. 
And I don't want to hear this sophistry of like, Daniel, this is a budget bill. It's not appropriate to legislate in a budget bill. Well, you know what? It's not appropriate to violate life, liberty, and property and for a governor to legislate from the executive branch. So you know what? In the legislature, where they have both the power to legislate and the freaking power of the purse, yes, we're going to stick legislation in the power of the purse budget bill to preempt or fight back against executive constitutional violations. I'm sick of this sophistry. I'm sick of these excuses. All these excuses that, you know, we'll be like in Guantanamo Bay with duct tape tied to a mask on our mouth and nose and we'll have like some way of cutting the fence to escape and they'll find some principled reason not to do it. Don't ever let them give you stupid process excuses when we're fighting civilization battles, constitutional violations. Budget bills. This is... Again, these last 30 minutes, I want to serve as a presentation of what we can do. I'm just one person. But if we have 100 people in each state who listen to this show, who are active and have a lot of time to donate, to volunteer, and to serve as a cohesive, organized strike force team to do the lobbying and and the advocacy, the pressure, the education, the social media, the earned media, paid media, writing on all of these legislative issues, and I didn't even get to county issues, the sky is the limit to what we can do in states where we have the majority. And then eventually, you'll either force these phony Republicans to start getting with the program, or it'll be a lot easier to primary them. I don't know if our civilization is too foregone for even my solutions. I don't know if even my solutions perhaps don't speak to the gravity of the situation we live in. But they're worth trying because we haven't tried it. And until someone shows me something better, it's better than I'm hearing from anyone else. So that is where we are right now. Now, there's a lot of other stuff that I do want to get to. But I wanted to give you this sense of, you know, what is going on in these states. There's one more important bill I want to shed light on that speaks to the core of COVID fascism. So as you all know, what these evil vermin did is lie to us about the fact that you could avoid getting the virus, took away our liberty, took away our humanity to socialize, to to show our faces, destroyed the lives of kids, destroyed the dreams of small business owners, destroyed our economy, all for... Interventions that did nothing, nothing to stop anything. You know, um, Marty Macri, the Johns Hopkins professor that's been writing some Wall Street Journal op-eds on herd immunity, he just wrote today that he he agrees with me that when you see in L.A. there's 45% seroprevalence, <clears throat> it likely means by now it's well over 50%. In Los Angeles, all of their things failed to stop the spread. And they're lying about immunity, natural immunity. They're lying about masks. They're lying about asymptomatic spread. Everything. Imagine flushing down all that money, life's dreams, life's experiences for nothing. That's pretty bad. But then it's a step worse. There is one thing we can do. Taking prophylactic regimens And certainly, certainly early therapeutic treatment once you know you have the virus of some sort of mixture, depending on who you are, your health status, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine mixed with azithromycin and certain steroids. Obviously, prophylactic regimens of vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, quercetin, some other things. Imagine if that would have been done. 
We would have saved 85% of the people who died. We would have precluded almost everyone from ever having to go to the hospital. We would have precluded the impetus and the pretext for all these tyrannical, destructive, non-pharmaceutical interventions. We would have saved mental health. We would have enabled elderly people to really interact and, and continue with their lives by taking prophylactics. And you know what else happens when you're, when you're taking prophylactics against the virus and not getting it? You're not spreading it either if you're not getting it. It's, it's, it's a tool of source control. And yet these subhuman bastards that say COVID is the most important thing in the history of humanity and it pushes off, it supersedes every human experience and every liberty are blocking and censoring the information and the ability of doctors to even prescribe this type of stuff. So commensurate with the degree that they believe COVID is a danger is the degree of culpability that God in his heavenly court will hold them accountable for blocking it. There's one thing if you don't think COVID's a big deal, and you're like, whatever. They're the ones who say it's the worst thing ever. So they are the ones that are culpable for blocking the one thing that helps. Now, I believe that this stuff should be over the counter. But, you know, that's a little bit scary for some of these cowardly legislators to do. Colorado State Rep Stephanie Luck, L-U-C-K, she has a bill, HB 21-1202, entitled Off-Label Use of Approval Drugs to Treat COVID-19. And basically what this does <clears throat> is it addresses the lack of patient options, both for prophylaxis and for at-home early-stage therapeutic treatment. The, the problem is doctors are hesitant to prescribe because and pharmacists are, are hesitant to, to dispense. A friend of mine spoke with a pharmacist like, who told you about ivermectin? Off-label. Whoa. Like, you know, so what this does, I mean, you have administrative agencies, uh, medical boards that are regulating, controlling their licenses, threatening them. So this bill specifies that a physician or any equivalent, like, like a whatever nurse practitioner, may prescri prescribe and dispense, and a pharmacist may dispense, therapeutic drugs, drugs for off-label use, including hydroxychloroquine, sulfate, and ivermectin, to provide either prophylaxis or outpatient at home or inpatient treatment to an individual with COVID-19 or someone who doesn't want to get it. And the practice will not be deemed as unprofessional conduct or otherwise grounds for discipline. It shocks me. This bill should be the law in every Republican legislature. Colorado is controlled by the left. I don't know what's going to happen with it. So anyone who tells you, call up your state reps if you're in a Republican legislature, talk about this bill, and say, how dare you have all these regulations on our life under the guise of protecting from COVID, spending billions of dollars when we have cheap, cheap prophylactics that people can't get a hold of. And if they have some sort of process excuse, say, excuse me, this is an emergency. You're doing, you're saying it's an emergency to cover our damn mouths, to regulate our businesses, to, sh to put duct tape on the mouths of our kids for seven hours. So you know what? It will be an emergency enough for the Muppet Senate president or House speaker to suspend the stupid chamber rules and introduce the bill or put it in the budget. I love it. It's like you could move heaven and earth for tyranny, but for something, this is not even liberty. It's not even, there's nothing right-wing or conservative about this bill. It actually takes COVID serious and says, look, why wait until people don't have an option other than <clears throat> like very tenuous treatments and, and ventilators? We know inflammatory reactions. We know super infection. We understand cytokine storm and thrombosis. You let that get out of hand, it's very hard to treat. But you stuff it in the hole, it will work every time. These are not novel ailments and we have treatments for them. It's got to be done early at home. This, there's nothing right-wing or conservative about what I am saying right now. Putting aside masks and vaccines and this and that, whatever. They are literally using vaccines 
that aren't even vaccines. They're, they're mRNA gene therapies, experimental emergency use authorization. When we have drugs that have been dispensed since the 1970s, 4 billion doses and no adverse effects. No adverse effects. The safest drugs you can imagine. Folks, I wanted to give you guys just a flavor of what I want to do with Constitution Action Network. Again, you can sign up at conaction.network. What I'm trying to do to salvage the red states, to make state legislatures great again, to focus on getting good governors in, to have a standing lobby for liberty, lobby for civilization, for common sense, for family values, for civilization values, for basic humanity. We're not even fighting for conservatism anymore. This is stuff that the left wasn't even doing until 10 minutes ago. You get a sense of what this show is about, what my movement is about. So I ask you to pass this show on to everyone you know. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. The show should be on Spotify now. We just got on there. We're, we've been on Stitcher and Google Play for a while, obviously. Folks, our future is in our hands, at least in areas where we are the voting majority. <laughs> We can't say that we're out of options if we don't even try them. There are a handful of groups and a handful of states for a handful of issues sometimes trying to do this. But no one is doing this often enough as emphatic enough in enough places on enough issues. This is at its core my message. Make red states red again. Make state legislatures great again. Make our voices heard again. Empower, inform, educate the public. Pressure and educate Republican members of legislative bodies in red states. You do that, and folks, we're going to start seeing results. Nothing's perfect. It's not going to work every time. But it's kind of like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine versus a ventilator. When that phlebotomist told my wife, his doctor told him, it's either the vaccine or a ventilator. I was like, that is sick. We have cheap, easy, reliable options early on. It's the same thing politically. Our choice is not just, you know, vote for flaccid Republicans or die and nothing. You know, we have nothing to do. There's a lot we can do. It's in our hands. So, again, as always, we left a lot on the table. There's a lot of COVID news I wanted to get to. Um, obviously, there's a lot of news on the war on whites, war on Asians going on. We have a black supremacy problem in this country. Certainly not all blacks, but there is a contingent of BLM, Farrakhan type of people that the media doesn't want to talk about and actually projects it upon everyone else. It needs to be dealt with. The border stuff needs to be dealt with. We need to push Title 42 again. That needs to be the demand of the Biden administration. Not better care at the facilities. Turn them around. Then you'll stop the humanitarian problem as well. Folks, till tomorrow. Same time, same place. We'll be back here as always. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.